Praise the Lord. If you will, tonight, we're going to be in a couple different places, but if you turn first to Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, I'm going to read a few verses there. Amen. Romans chapter 12, you there say amen. If you're not, say oh no. Got to oh no. We'll give you a second. If you'll stand for the reading of God's word, that'll give you a little bit of time here. Amen. We want to thank you all for being here this evening. Amen. Crazy to believe we're already in August. Crazy, crazy. Time flies when you're having fun, right? Uh, a few people having some fun. All right. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's reasonable. Verse number 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Say transformed. By the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Read that with me one more time. Prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Perfect will of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Beginning in verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. And the church said, Amen. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Praise the Lord. But verse 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God catch this last part bringing into captivity every thought every thought to the obedience of Christ let us pray tonight God we come before you we thank you for the word Lord we ask that your word go forth in anointing and power that we know that it holds Lord, let us have ears to hear and hearts to receive what you have for us tonight. Lord, help us teach and preach the way that your Holy Spirit would have us to do. And Lord, we love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, the church says, amen. You may be seated. I want to preach to you on three things, three thoughts. Slaves, transformers, and deliverance. Slaves, transformers, and deliverance. We see that that word transformed is in Romans 12 and verse 2 where it says, Be not conformed, but be transformed. How are we transformed? It tells us by the renewing, by the renewing of our mind. Why is it so important that we have the right mindset? It says that in the latter half of the second verse of Romans chapter 2, or chapter 12 and verse 2 that we will know, that we will prove or know what is the good, acceptable, 
and perfect will of God. I want you to know tonight, first and foremost, there is a perfect will that God has for your life. Amen. But here's the problem. Is as my mother would say, I'm going to use a, my mom's term here. The problem is our stinking thinking. Jesus has done it all for us. There's, there's no more than he can give us. He gave it all. But what we fight more than anything in our walk with the Lord is our mind. And I will tell you, we live, and, and, and I didn't know if you knew this or not, but you live, turn to your neighbor and say, you live in the most mentally sick generation in history. I'm not talking about just sick as in gross. I'm talking about the facts say that this generation is the most mentally ill generation documented in human history. You live in a generation that has terrible mindsets that are fighting and battling demonic oppression. But I want to turn it to your attention. I know what's going on outside these walls, but Paul, this, this is Paul writing to the church at Roman, at, at, at the Roman church at Rome. So he's not talking necessarily to the world. He's talking to the church. He's saying, you got to get your mind right. Okay, we've heard this preached on. I'm, not, I, I'm laying a foundation here. Can I, can I teach for a moment? I, I find it fascinating that that what hinders us from walking in the will of God is our mind. What hinders us, turn to yourself and say, self, you're the problem. What happens so often is we keep ourselves from walking in the good and acceptable and perfect will of God because we don't have transformed thinking. And, and many of you know my little saying about verse 1 that we have to have a laid down life. That's true. We have to have a laid down life. And we're going to get into that. But, but I see in the church age that we're living in that, that God has given us so many promises. But I'm seeing so little fulfillment. Can I say that? Is that all right? We have a lot of promises. God has given you a lot of promises. God gives us promises in his word. But I see so little fulfillment of those promises. You say, well, is that a God problem? I've got news for you, it's not a God problem. It's an us problem. You say, well, you're going to beat up on us? No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to confront something tonight. Can I confront something tonight? Because understand that, that God, it, 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 it's not his problem, it's our problem, it's not his issue, it's our issue. Understand that God has given us his promises and he gives us his promises throughout his word, but you'll find little statements in there that, that teach us that there are conditions oftentimes. How many has ever heard the scripture quoted 2 Chronicles 7.14? Cameron taught on it a few weeks ago. If my people who are called by my name. Do you know, we, we, we read that, we get excited and say, oh, God's going to heal our land. But he said, if my people, there's a condition. He says, if my people will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. That's not the only portion of Scripture 
That, that teaches us that, that principle. The Bible says in James uh, that we are to, to, for God to draw nigh unto us. There's a condition to that. We have to first draw nigh unto him. We also find in James where people will say, uh, resist the devil and he'll flee. Uh, that's not the entire verse. The verse says, submit yourself unto God, resist the devil and he will flee. The devil ain't going nowhere until you submit yourself unto God. Catch this with me. I'm not just talking, uh, saying it with your mouth. Uh, I'm talking about living it with your life uh, and living it in your mind. I find it fascinating as we move to our second portion of scripture in 2 Chron Chronicles, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter number 10. We find verse three and verse four. It's talking about spiritual warfare, Right? That we, 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 for we walk in the flesh, but we do not war after the flesh. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or physical, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What's verse 5 say? It says, casting down imaginations. Where does imaginations come from? Right in between your ears, in your mind. But we find at the end of that verse, it says, bringing into captivity every thought. Understand that the battlefield of spiritual warfare is not fought in this word. You say, what are you talking about? This word is victory. This word is power. This word is authority. This word is anointing. The victory's already been won here. But has the victory been won here? We see that, that, that he's saying here, in the, and again, Paul's not talking to the non-believer. He's talking to the church at Corinth. And he's saying, in this spiritual warfare, you've got to watch your mind. Cast down imaginations. Anything that tries to rise up and take the place of God, and you've got to bring every thought into captivity. That's an interesting phrase. What he's saying is you've got to capture what is attempting to capture you. You've got to take hold of and confront what is wanting to take hold and confront you. Here's what he's teaching them is you've got to be on the offensive, not the defensive. Don't hear me tonight. Don't get caught in a cycle where it happens again and again and again. You know why you get caught in a cycle? It's because you're not playing offense. When you get over it and you get through it, uh, what happens is, is you're not proactively transforming and renewing your mind. Uh, and when it comes again, you're saying, oh, here we go again. Uh, it's because you ain't been playing offense. You got through it. You said, okay, thank you, Jesus. You didn't worry about it anymore. And it came back around and caught you off guard again. What we need to do is get ahead of the enemy, if you will. That makes sense. Everybody follow me. Shake your head. Yes. If you're not, just shake your head. No. Okay. So we understand this principle of spiritual warfare happens in the mind, right? But can I draw your attention to something? If you read in Romans chapter 12, why is it so important that we know the good and perfect will of God? As you read through Romans chapter 12, you'll find around verse 4 that, that Paul begins to change the conversation a little bit. But it, it, again, it, it's, it's fluid. It, it runs together. He says, because we are one body, but of many members. And we're one body, but we have many functions. 
Not everybody does the same thing. Not everybody's called to be a preacher and a pastor. Not everybody's called to be an evangelist or a prophet or a teacher. Not everybody's called to do that. But why is it so important that you know the will of God for your life? He's saying because you need to know your place in the body of Christ. Because if the body of Christ does not know what it is, then it cannot run at its full capacity. You understand? I'm trying to simplify. I'm trying to... Bring it down to jade terms here because this is how God has to do with me. Is when I begin to think I need to know the good and perfect and acceptable will of God for my life. Because I need to know where I fit in the body of Christ. So if I'm the elbow, I can function. So the hands can reach and the arms can touch heaven. I need to know my place so the body of Christ can be full of power, functionality, and authority again. So it's important. But still we see that the common thread in these two portions of Scripture is the mind. It's the mind. The mind is a powerful thing. The mind will convince us of things that are not true and tell us and will convince ourselves that they are true. The mind, though God's Word will tell you one thing and the mind will convince you of another. How many times do we have to hear that we're overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony? I'll say it to you every day if you need to hear it. But understand this. When is your mind going to realize that is the true, authentic, authoritative word of God? I accept that. Not just in my heart, but in my mind. You tracking with me? So, we see... That God has a plan, but our mind gets in the way. But understand, I want to tell you first and foremost, God's plan is a good plan. But even good plans call for sacrifice. Again, that, where we get back to verse 1. You got to have sacrifice if you want to have a transformed mind. Right? But God has a good plan. He told Jeremiah in Jeremiah 29, 11, he said, I, I have good plans. I have good thoughts towards you. I have, I have plans of good, not of evil. Understand what God, you may go through things in this life, but God turns all things for them that are called according to his purpose. He turns all things for the good, right? Do we believe that? So understand that God has a plan and it's a good plan. So we need to trust him. But Here's where I really want to get to tonight because you're probably wondering what, what I'm going to talk about. What I see in the church, can I be very, very transparent with you? What I see, Brother Brad, is a lot of people that are free but not delivered. You say, what is the difference? Freedom is when God gets you out, when Christ brings you out of it. But deliverance is when Christ brings it out of you. Understand. Freedom is when he, he saved you. Listen, and again, I'm not talking about, you say, is he saying I'm not saved? Paul's talking to the church. He's not saying you're not saved, but he understands the oppression that tries to come against the mind. But what happens is, is so many people experience freedom, but they don't go, as the old saints used to say, and pray through and get deliverance. Hear me tonight. You say, give me Bible for this. Children of Israel. In slavery for 400 years in Egypt. They get out. They get set free, right? But for 40 years they spend 
in the desert going around in circles because they would not get delivered. It was not that that God could not deliver them, but they would not let God deliver them. Hear me, because their goal was the promise, right? Understand the promises that God has given to you is the will of God for your life. But they could not walk in the fulfillment of that promise because they had stinking thinking. You know, they asked time and time again, take us back to slavery. We would rather be slaves because if we're slaves, we know what's going to happen. It's easier to be a slave than it is to be a Christian living on faith. They said we would rather be bound than be free and delivered. That sounds insane to us, but I want you to know we see it every day in the church. We say, oh, I got freedom, I got freedom. But have you been delivered from the lust? Have you been delivered from the fear? Have you been delivered from the anxiety? Have you been delivered from the, the, the depression? Hear me tonight. What I'm saying is, is you can walk in the fullness of what God has for you because that's his will for you. That's his plan for you. But you've got to say, Jade, get out of the way. God, come in. Transform my mind. Do what only you can do. I believe you. I walk in faith. I walk in authority. I walk in boldness. I'll do what you're calling me to do. But understand, an entire nation was held up because of mindsets, because of perspectives. The problem is. We have a lot of people walking around free, but they don't realize that they're in a slavery mindset. I know the preacher tells me every week I've been set free from that, but my mind tells me that it's coming back. You shake your head, I know I'm right. Because I'm human. It happens to me. Hear me. Some of us have... Slavery mindsets. They could not get over. They, I believe it's recorded 10 different times, if not more, in, 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 in the first five books of the Bible where they turned to Moses and Aaron and said, take us back. Take us back. They could not go forward because they could not get over their yesterdays. They could not inherit the, they, they could not enjoy the fulfillment of God's promises because of how they thought. Let me give you an example of how they thought. The Bible says this in Numbers 13. They send the spies into the land. They send 12 spies into the land. They're there for 40 days. And they come back and they have the fruit of the land and all the people are rejoicing. Oh, this is awesome. This is great. And then 10 spies stand up and say, yeah, it's great, but we can't win. Catch what they say in verse 33, the last verse of that chapter. <coughs> Excuse me. They said, and, they, and there we saw the giants, the son of Anak, uh, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight. Didn't say in their sight. They said, in our own sight, we are as grasshoppers. 
They could not inherit the promises of God because their perspective was so messed up because they didn't have the right mindset. They didn't have the right mindset. That's why in Philippians, Paul says this, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, made himself of no reputation, made himself a servant. So where are you getting at with all this? What I'm trying to tell you, can I, can I just be honest with you? I'm sick and tired of the church of the living God saying God's promised me things but not seeing them come to pass. I thank God for promises and understand, I know that timing has a lot to do with promises, but there's promises that we're waiting on and, and we say, God, where you at? Where you at? And God's saying, where are you? God, you told me, God, you told me. Have you been preparing for that? Listen, I've seen some great prophecies given over some great young and old people alike. Oh, you're going to go to the nations. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. And they'll say, yes. And then they sit and wait and say, God, make it happen. And he's saying, what are you doing to prepare yourself to walk in the promise that I've given you? You don't just show up and say, it's mine. No. They get into the promised land and he says, you got to fight. You'll get the victory, but you got to fight. And it took them 40 years to get the right mindset before they could inherit the promises of God. I don't know if you've watched the news lately, but we don't have 40 years, Sister Lisa. We don't have 40 years. I don't have 40 years to wait for my lost loved ones to be saved. I may have months. But hear me, I want to see these, these promises. I want to hear these prophecies that maybe you've written down. I, I want to see them come to pass in your life. I want to see them come to pass in your children's life. I want to see the promises that God has given to our pastor for this church. I want to see them come to fulfillment and come to fruition now. Not 10 years from now, not 15 years from now, not 20 years from now. Because I'll tell you right now, we are in a season where it's make or break. We've got to move forward or this world is going going to collapse uh, and there's nothing holding back hell uh, from your loved ones. Uh, but hear me, if we'll make up in our minds uh, and we'll say I will have the mind and the heart of God. Uh, I will go after the things of God. Uh, I will die to my flesh. Uh, I'll put what I want to the side uh, and put God first. Uh, I want you to know your mind will be transformed uh, and your promises will become fulfilled promises uh, in this day, in this hour. Uh, if we'll stand up and and say, God, I'm going to do it your way. They'll come to the music tonight. A slavery mindset says things like, I would rather be a victim. I would rather be oppressed. I'd rather be a slave. What happened with the children of Israel after 40 years is slaves turned into transformers. Anybody remember transformers? They're still making transform movies. They're on like Transformers 28 or something like that. They just need to be done.
excuse me. The thing with Transformers is, is they would take a form, right? Anybody ever watched it? Raise your hand. Come on, it's church. We believe in TV. Come on. Some of y'all acting like I'm holy this time. I know you got TV in your house. You got a phone in your pocket. I ain't at night. Naive. I wasn't born yesterday. Watch Transformers. Yeah. Oh, Optimus Prime in that big, deep voice. They would take a form, right? Nobody would even know that they were there, right? They just, they'd look like any other car. Well, I would say any other car. They actually look like really cool cars usually. But they look like a car. She tried to blend in. But in that state, they could do very little. You know where I'm going. The Christians have been trying to blend in. What do you think Peter couldn't hide at Jesus's uh, at Jesus's uh, uh, trial? He wasn't meant to hide. Jesus didn't call him and set him apart to blend in. Paul told him like this, come out from among them and be ye separate. We'd rather stay bound to a form. It's what my Bible says. People have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. And we talk about miracles and we talk about signs and wonders, but we will not come out of our form. Might as well be a slave. But if you can break the mindset, and I'll just be as bold to say, you know what I hate more than anything? I hate more than anything in in the church is fear. I hate it. These young people want to know why I ask them to speak and say things. They think I do it just to poke fun, and it is kind of fun. But the truth of it is, is because I don't want a generation that's afraid to speak the truth of God's word. I don't want a generation that can post about it. I want a generation that can preach, teach, and talk about it. I hate fear. I despise the thing. I had a mother that hated fear. I had a father that hated fear. The first time I went skiing, I had the skis on, go up to the little bunny hill. My mom takes my poles away from me. Gives me a little nudge, and I'm just looking back as I'm sliding down. She says, if you can learn to ski without them, you can ski with them. She didn't like fear. I'm nervous. I'm, I'm scared. She didn't like it. But I didn't realize what she was doing, is she was actually developing something in me. And what we want to do as parents is we want to keep our kids in the nest forever and ever and ever. I want you to know your kids aren't meant to stay with you forever. No. One day they're going to have to grow up and be adults. I don't want to raise uh, my my beautiful daughters to, to be 18 and still be kids. This world will eat them alive. That's why we have a messed up generation. Hear me. If slaves can get out of a mindset and become transformers. You 
you know that sound that like Optimus Prime would make as he would transform he'd come out with that big old sword he's ready to brawl he's ready to go church if you will go from a slave mentality and transform into who God has called you to be you'll find deliverance I'm not talking about I thank God for freedom who the son has set free is free indeed Deliverance. Deliverance is where it doesn't come back anymore. How many's ever heard this testimony? I was an alcoholic. I got saved and I no longer desired alcohol. You know what that's called? Freedom and deliverance. I was a drug addict. I smoked marijuana. I, I, I smoked crack. I, I, I smoked this. I smoked that. I snorted this. I snorted that. And you'd hear them say, I got saved and I didn't want it anymore. I didn't, I've heard people even say, I didn't even go through withdrawals. Freedom and deliverance. You know, Jesus never had a problem with freedom and deliverance. What has a problem with freedom and deliverance is our flesh. And understand, I, I hope you're hearing me tonight. I'm not, I'm not trying to say you're not this and you're not that. We all fall short. Not perfect. I'm not up here preaching as if I'm perfect. I am not. But I understand what I'm telling you. We talk about revival. We talk about change. Is our minds ready for revival? I mean, Pastor was talking about this earlier. If God began to move, would we seriously alter our lives to be in the house of God? Jade has to think about this. Because I work, I work at a job. I'm on call 24-7. We was at church camp a few weeks ago and they called me and said, can you come in? I said, no, I'm on vacation. But am I willing to alter not just my mind, but my life and my schedule for a move of God? Understand at the day of Pentecost, they took 10 days. They could have been earning a living. They could have been doing this. They could have been doing that. I was reminded of a story today. Brownsville Revival. Anybody ever heard of it? Great move of God. Five went on, I think, five years, four or five years. Near Brownsville, Florida, near Pensacola. And there was, a, I remember, I was telling Pastor, I heard a testimony of a guy. And he, he was talking about, he was involved in the revival. He, he worked in the media team. He helped on the sound crew and he, he, he worked in, in the, the, the uh, media department of the cameras and things like that and editing. He said, I was a contractor. He said, and I, I'm not going to lie to you, I was making big money. He said, I was. I was making high, high up, upper six figures every year. He said, I was. He said, I just landed a military contract for the, the Air Force Base in Pensacola. He said, my, my revenue, my profits were about to jump from six figures to seven, possibly even eight figures, and revival broke out. He said, I saw what it did to my children. I saw what it did to my wife. I experienced what it did in my life, the moving of the Holy Spirit. He said, I walked in, I told my wife, we're done. He 
He said, I sold everything. Sold the business, dropped the contract, everything to be a part of what God was doing. And this was, this wasn't, this interview wasn't that long ago. He said, my children are serving the Lord. They're on fire for God. My, me and my wife have been married for over, uh, almost 40 years, over 30 years now. He said, God blessed get out of this mindset and we'll transform and we'll see deliverance come are we willing to take that next step because church I believe you are I wouldn't be preaching this to you if I didn't think you couldn't but can I be honest with you I want next level things I thank God for where he's brought us I thank God for all the way back to Columbia all the way back. I thank God for what he's done here. I thank God for, for all of you here. But there's more. There's a lot more. And parents, listen, there's more for your children. I know it's been different tonight. I normally spit and holler the whole time. Let's transform. Let's operate in faith and authority. Let's lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Let, I want to see when you walk into the room uh, in, in, a, in a crazy situation that the Spirit of God inside of you just begins to radiate from you and the atmosphere begins to change. Just simply because you're there, you've been transformed. I want to hear the testimonies that God's going to do. I want to see the promises fulfilled. I want to see your lost loved ones in these altars. I want to hear your children speak in other tongues and prophesy. I want to see them become worship leaders and pastors and youth pastors and children's directors and, and, and missionaries and evangelists. I want to see that. We've got to transform. Stand with me tonight. be like the children of Israel in the desert where I couldn't inherit the promises because I could not let go of Egypt. You can look at me and say, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've done. I don't know what you've done. But here's what matters is we've all come through the cross. Because of the shedding of blood, it doesn't matter what we've done is what God is doing and going to do. So turn to your neighbor tonight and say, neighbor, can we be transformers? Not slaves. Transformers. Why? Because I want to I see, see us live in deliverance. I want this to be a house of deliverance, a house of refuge, a house of freedom. End with this tonight. I heard a story today, testimony 
out of the Azusa Street Revival, 1906, Los Angeles, California, on Azusa Street. It's a testimony of a teenage boy. He said the, the church, which was really a stable, what it was before. He said it was open all day. People would come and go. People would come and go. He said he got there for the evening service. He said there's just such excitement in the air. He said and they would start off service and people would begin to testify. And he said it wasn't out of order or anything like that. People would just tell of what God had done for them. And you know there was a man there that was a Mayan Indian from Central America that had migrated up and no one really spoke his language. It was a language that was dead and dying. And he said he heard a, a woman from the church uh, speaking his language. And she didn't know she was speaking his language, but she preached the gospel to him in his own language. And she was just speaking in tongues is what she knew it as. And he got saved. And God healed and delivered him. And he was testifying. All these people were testifying. And then they broke out in a song. Everybody began to sing. There's two milk crates piled up, made a little platform for William Seymour to preach from if he preached. They said he would kneel behind that altar and he would stick his head in that top crate and he would just sit there waiting for the leading of the Lord. He said he stood up as they were singing. As the singing concluded, they said there was just a holy hush that came across the room. See where are you going with this? This is this is this is the promises I'm talking about. He said what they would have is they would have a section of people that were there to receive healing in their body. And without laying hands on anybody or anything like that, William Seymour just stretched his hand that way and he said, Everybody in this section, you're gonna receive your healing in the name of Jesus. That teenage boy said everyone began to stand up. And he said he can remember he pulled himself up in the rafters so he could see. He stood up on the pew and grabbed hold of the rafters and pulled himself up so he could see. And he said he would hear bones begin to crack. He would see limbs begin to grow. You're looking at me like I'm crazy. I'd see Lane begin to stand up. This teenage boy. You know, I want your teenagers to have the same testimony. That as the Spirit was moving, Pastor Ronnie just said, if you need healing today, God's going to heal you right where you are. And you begin to hear bones crack and pop. And begin to hear people shout and rejoice because of what God is doing in their lives. That's what I want. But I can't be a slave. If I want the promise, I can't be a slave. I cannot be a slave. So tonight, if you would, just come to these altars. And if you're here and you say, I, I just feel just the enemy coming after my mind in such a strong, strong way. And you want special prayer tonight, we'll pray with you. But I'm going to ask anybody that will and whosoever will just to come. Just to come. These altars are open. I know it's not no swinging from the chandelier's message, but we can no longer be slaves. 
We can no longer be slaves. Lord, everybody, Pastor Ron coming to you again. Thank you for joining us today. I pray that the word was a blessing to you. And today, before we say goodbye, I just want to encourage you. If you have not yet put your faith and trust in the Lord, that this would be a time that you would do so. I'd also say to you, if you're going through a very difficult or trying season, know this, God is faithful. He loves you. We love you. And we just say to you today that he is still able to do exceedingly abundantly what we could ever ask or think. So I speak blessings over you and your family. Thank you for joining us today.